from deep in the heart of Central Texas, it's the Best of the Outdoors podcast. Brought to you by Texas Fishing Game Magazine, the voice of the Texas outdoor nation. I'm your humble host, Dustin Vaughn Warnke. So excited that you are taking the opportunity to download the show or stream it online, stream it on Facebook, stream it on YouTube, however you're listening. Thank you so much for doing so. It means the world to me. Your comments are my oxygen. I meant to tell you guys that on the last show. I really, really appreciate those of you guys that are leaving me comments on our Facebook post or um, on the Texas Fishing Game Facebook page or my personal Facebook or otherwise that are telling me that you like the show because that just means the world to me to hear feedback from you guys. When I first started this podcast, I had like no feedback. Didn't know besides friends and family who was really listening and who really cared about the show. And it's just great to see things growing. I mean, it's one of those things when you stay in the game and really... Um, you know, just continue to put yourself out there. Things finally start to, to, to happen, and that's what I've been doing for the last three years with this show, and it's just, just great. So we're celebrating our third year, um, three years in uh, podcasting. I started this in May of 2015 with a show on how to start a TV show, which was the first episode we did 60-something, uh, 70-something episodes ago, and um, just really excited to have the opportunity to bring this content to you. Hello, Texas Outdoor Nation. Hello, Beyond Texas, wherever you're listening. Thank you so much for doing so i know if we have folks that listen in texas and beyond all over and i just really want to thank you guys so much for joining the show and checking this out i had a guest lined up for this week but he had a schedule conflict with recording today and i've got to record these podcasts a week in advance before i release them to the magazine so um i just did not have him on the show because i was planning to do a mobile podcast and go to him but he had a schedule conflict today and today's the deadline for getting the show in so i uh, you just got me but what we're going to talk about today as you can probably tell by the title of the show is exotics uh fallow deer psycho deer axis deer red stag elk um you know buffalo all kinds of exotics you can hunt in texas and beyond and uh, why texas is a fantastic destination to come and hunt exotics year round because we have them year round and they're not regulated by size or bag limits or any of that stuff in texas and we have a lot of that because of high fences which is a very controversial subject that we talked about in the show before so um anyway i'm just going to sit with you guys and talk to you a little bit about my experience in exotics and uh, what to look for when you're booking an exotic hunt with an uh, outfitter or a hunting ranch or because uh, that's typically where you find a lot of ex- exotics are behind fences and hunting ranch areas and i also on the side as a lot of you guys know work with a lot of game ranches doing marketing websites uh social media promotion those kind of things and if you follow me on social media you'll see me posting in a lot of different areas a lot of different facebook groups for this this podcast as well as for the uh, companies that I represent. So I recently was on a show with uh, the Cast Blast Grill Chill guys doing a podcast on what to look for for your outfitter and guide. And um, I have an article that I did back in 2016 and then a podcast I did in 2016 about the article <laughs> that was about um, top 10 things to look for in your guide or outfitter. You can find that at fishgame.com. Just type in the search box in the right-hand sidebar, uh, top 10 things, outfitters and guides or something like that, top 10 things, and you should be able to find that podcast and that um, episode. Uh, the podcast and the article, and the article's a little lengthy, but like I say, I, I was guesting on a podcast, I guess guesting's the right word, I was a guest uh, a guest on the Cast Blast Grill Chill podcast, which was a fantastic podcast, by the way, a great storytelling those guys do uh, about the outdoors in Texas and beyond, and basically was, um, was invited on their show to talk about my experience with hiring a guide, because chances are in your lifetime you will hire a hunting or fishing guide, and that's what I'm here to do is help you have the best experience possible with booking and asking the right questions, and you can check out that podcast for, uh, for what I recommend on that. But uh, I have kind of 10 things that I go down and questions that I ask, um, you know, in that article and in that podcast that I uh, go over. So I've already covered that on this show. But uh, if you want to check that out, easy way to go find that is at fishgame.com from the 2016 archives. Uh, top 10 things to look for in your guide or outfitter. So before I get too much further into the show, when we talk about exotics, uh, I want to talk about one of the best ways to hunt exotics, and that is with a silencer. And uh, we have our uh, silencer shop is our sponsor this week. And that's another reason why I wanted to get a podcast out this week because uh, we had one last week that I did on fishing that was two weeks after the uh, last one that I did at the NRA show. And I wanted to have one because Silencer Shop was scheduled up on the schedule for being a sponsor for this week. So I wanted to definitely uh, plug them. And um, 
So I've got a question for you. Is your transfer powered by Silencer Shop? Make sure you see the I Spy powered by icons in the top right corner of Form 4. Those icons in that location mean that you can enjoy error-free Form 4 process, line-by-line -line form review by NFA experts, expert ATF-approved barcoding process, and lowest error rate in the industry. If you're looking for a silencer, folks, this is one of the best places to go to find one for your gun. I talked with uh, one of the listeners to the show that's going through his paperwork right now and going to buy a silencer through Silencer Shop. I think he's going to get a rugged suppressor, if I'm uh, correct, and uh, that's a fantastic company. But they carry Gemtech, Rugged, um, Q... Um, let me think of some other ones. Griffin, uh, Yankee Hill Machinery. I mean, all these different suppressors that they carry at rock bottom, just fantastic prices uh, compared to whatever else you can find. I mean, they definitely are the leader when it comes to, uh, to having some of the best prices in the industry on silencers. But uh, just handling the whole process, which can kind of be daunting at first, uh, but just handling that whole process with you and... Um, when your transfer is sponsored by Silencer Shop, or powered by Silencer Shop, I should say, you have access to an error-free Form 4 process, the largest inventory in the industry, and even qualify for their 90-day exclusive money-back guarantee where you can receive a full refund, including your tax stamp, if you're not 100% satisfied. Check them out at silencershop.com. That's silencershop.com. That's right, with only with over 300 powered by Silencer Shop retailers nationwide, and a lot of them here in Texas, there's always one close by. You can shop their entire inventory online anytime you want to on their website. Again, silencershop.com. All right, getting right into the podcast. Man, I'm excited, Texas Outdoor Nation, to have the chance to uh, get in front of this microphone again and preach, baby, the Outdoor Nation message of hope and inspiration in the outdoor lifestyle and just getting out there and getting this done. I got a, a comment the other day. Um, this was probably from my last podcast, I think. Sorry, I hit the microphone there. Um, this is from the last podcast. I'm going to pull this up because this guy really caught my attention and it really made me feel great. Uh, he said... Um, Let's see here. He said, hey, started listening to your podcast in the past year and look forward to every show and also reading the email newsletters. When I can't be in the outdoors, this is the next best thing. Man, that's by uh, Jeff. And I won't say your last name, Jeff, but if you're listening to this, thank you so much for your for your comment. Like Gary Vanderchuk, your comments are my oxygen. I mean, that means the world to me that you're listening and that you care about our show and that you uh, care about this message that I'm trying to uh to uh, get out there into the uh, to ears of our listeners. So I'm really excited about this. So jumping right into exotics and uh, the hunting exotics in the off season, because this right now is May when I'm re recording this podcast. We're in middle of May, uh, closer to the end of May when this podcast releases. And there's a lot of opportunities out there. A lot of people think in the off season, you just go fishing. And that's a great way to spend your time in the outdoors too. I have nothing against that. I do quite a bit of fishing in the summer months, uh, but it's hot. Um, one of the ranches I work for is DB hunting ranch and then circle F adventures. And both of those ranches offer year-round hunting for exotics, especially this is the time of year to book an axis hunt. Uh, if you've never had access meat, it's delicious. It would make you throw your whitetail meat away almost. Not, not really. I'm just kidding about that. But the meat difference and the quality of the axis meat compared to any other deer, be whitetail, fallow, psyca, uh, red stag even, black buck, uh, anything in the deer venison family, I should say. I know black buck's an antelope, but I messed up on Chester Moore's show by saying that it was a deer. <laughs> I feel really dumb about that. But anyway, um, but black buck antelope, red stag, any that stuff axis is among the one of the top meats regarded by hunters uh so booking an axis doe hunt which you can get for probably 500 or less in most ranches fully guided hunt um you know is, is a fantastic way to stock the freezer with some meat before deer season or in between deer seasons if you're running low on your meat reserves because i know we eat a lot of deer meat here at my house and um we really it's just a great it's a fantastic way to uh to stock up on deer meat and uh, also a fantastic way to uh, to make sure your hunting equipment is dead on for whitetail season. And um, this year, as I mentioned in the last uh, few podcasts ago with the NRA show, we are allowed to now, as legislation goes through confirmed, which it should, um, at September 1, we should have uh, a legal process for during gun season being able to use air guns. And I'm really excited about that. I know I talk about
talk about air guns a lot. I'm sorry, but um, I'm not really sorry. But um, we can use air guns that are big bore 308 and up or air bows like Crossman as a pioneer Benjamin air bow um, to hunt with uh, white-tailed deer in Turkey and other native game species, antelope and that kind of stuff uh, like pronghorn. Um, so any native game species can be hunted with a uh, with an air gun or an air bow. And that's exciting for a number of reasons, but I, I'm really excited about the use of air guns for exotics in the off-season too because it's a good way not really just to go test your equipment but to you know enjoy your equipment in the woods when it's not deer season when it's not cold when it's not 20 degrees outside and freezing and uh, you're freezing your patushka off trying to um trying to get uh, get out there and get some meat for the freezer so the spring and summer times are great fantastic times early fall especially we really get cranked up in the hunting world with the ranches i work with in august and then we get cranked up at the magazine with our august issue called getting ready uh which is our special section issue and uh it's it's just an incredible time to get out there and and get your equipment dialed in and go out on some hunts before you know you get the jitters of whitetail season and uh that's just a fantastic way to do it so what you know exotic hunting is is done a lot of times behind a high fence there are a lot of free range opportunities out there if you're on a lease that has exotics um you know they they behave a lot of times like your whitetail during your native games if, if you're on a lease i obviously want to mention one of the you know biggest and most numerous exotics in texas and that's the feral hog which is considered by a lot of people uh uh, you know a, a separate animal by itself and not an exotic but they are technically considered exotic in texas and um anyway they're just they're just they're a great opportunity to test out your hunting equipment as well not really test it out so much but give it get it through its ringer you know go, go through the motions with your hunting equipment and um and basically get the jitters out so you're ready for whitetail season when it does come in october for bow season or uh, november for gun season here so uh you know I just, I really, my hat's off to, you know, the ranches that do the year round hunting. It's a lot of work, especially for those of us like me that are, that are in the back, uh, back seat, uh, steering the car and the marketing and that kind of stuff and doing the, um, you know, the great things that I have to do with getting those, uh, those hunts sold, uh, brokering and, uh, and, um, marketing those hunts. But, uh, the idea here is go find you a good day ranch in your area, a day hunt ranch where you can get some great opportunities for uh for exotics and so i'm just going to list a couple of different the main ones that we have in texas here and if i'm missing one you can email me dustinsprojects.com um, you can uh basically count on your access being the most popular and the most numerous before i get into all this stuff uh i do live sale too as i talk about in my latest book that's coming out here in the near near next couple of months i'm finishing a course to go with the new book about being successful in the outdoor industry and basically what i have noticed in selling the exotics that i've sold especially the axis deer there's so many axes the axes almost i wonder if there's ever an end to the amount of axes that are in texas because there are several ranches that the companies that I um, are the, the the main live sale company that I work with that uh, is, is part of the ranch business, too. Um, they go and, and basically do helicopter trapping or helicopter netting and uh, and grabbing the, the, the axis out of the pasture that way or out of the free range that way and off of other ranches and then sell them to ranches that then sell hunts for um live sale. And one, my biggest deal that I did was with the ranch out of... Uh, uh, Southeast Texas, and it was a $17,000 deal for axis deer. And they were looking for bucks that were 30 inches or bigger because that's what they turn around and flip after they buy them and put them in the ranch. They turn around and flip those uh, axis and turn them into uh, to profit, obviously, in a hunt. And uh, the one thing I've learned is there's not really, you know, a bad place to go when it comes to that you're obviously going to have some ranches especially this is true in the hog hunting world that will take your money and take advantage of you and if you have any questions about a ranch that you're not sure about you can always email me and find me on social media really easily and i will go check them out i know a lot of ranches here in texas i know the ones that are ones to watch out for and i'll definitely be the first one to alert you of that kind of stuff i don't mind doing that especially for my lovely listeners out there um but you know when you're when you're booking a hunt i mean just consider that there are a lot of access in a lot of different places so you can obviously hunt them free range at your lease if you have year-round lease or uh, you can hunt them with the day ranch and uh, the day ranch that I work with that does a live sale on the side is one of their businesses 
there's just tons of axes. I mean, there's no end to them, it seems. I know they're, all wildlife has a limited resource, but they multiply like rabbits. So that's probably the most abundant Texas wildlife exotic that there is in our state. And uh, fantastic meat yield, uh, fantastic antlers. I mean, they have uh, brow tines and caudal tines. They're, they're a little bit different than uh, your average rack, if you will, of a white-tailed deer or whatever, but they still make a beautiful mount. Uh, I'm thinking of shooting one just to have the, the mount and the meat uh, because they, they, they do beautiful at both. And um, they're just fantastic ones. So I would say the axes is probably my favorite one to hunt uh, and consider for people to hunt in the, in the outdoors in the off-season. And then um, next up would probably be the fowler or the psycho. Um, or the red deer and the red deer is about three times the doe is about three times the size of a white-tailed doe and they call them hinds h-i-n-d-s hinds uh, red deer hinds and uh, they're just fantastic wildlife to hunt because they're they're about the size of an elk they're a cousin to the uh, elk the, the, they're originally from europe and, and started in the european countries um and they're they're like an elk because they're they're kind of like i say cousins they're they're it's closely related, but um, they're still a little bit smaller than your typical uh, Rocky Mountain elk. And uh, elk's also another fantastic one. Elk cow hunts, I get on special every once in a while, DB hunting ranch that I'll blast out, and then the red deer hinds when we can get them go on special. And you know, you're looking for a little bit more than you're going to be paying for an axis hunt, but you're also going to be getting a bigger meat yield. And that meat is delicious. I mean, that is just fantastic meat. I've killed a red stag. If I could, I got them on my wall. I'm looking at them right now. Beautiful, majestic animal with great antlers, um, you know, and, and just fantastic meat yield as well. They're about three times the size of a whitetail buck, just like the hinds are about three times the size of a whitetail doe. Psyca and fallow are similar to whitetail as far as the size goes, and they're a wide variety of different, uh, especially, I mean, psyca are, are kind of a, a chocolate colored for the most part. Um, fallow can come either chocolate, they can come white, or they can come spotted. And the spotted psychas, if they're does, a lot of times can fool you if they're spotted compared to a uh, um, uh, whitetail fawn that has a spots or an axis deer of, of some kind. I've I've been you know dumbfounded before when I thought something was a psycho and was really a spotted psycho, but it was really a, a, an axis and vice versa. So there's a wide variety of consideration there for uh, for what you're hunting. But all those are in the deer class, and then obviously you have black buck antelope does. They don't yield very much meat, but they're a fun hunt, especially for a kiddo. Uh, they're a smaller target than a white-tailed deer because they're much smaller than a white-tailed deer, but it's a fun hunt. And uh, those I've seen go from anywhere from 350 to 450, depending on um, you know where where ranches that they're at. Sometimes up to $500 for black buck does. Fallow and psycho does I've seen anywhere from 400 to $500, depending on what ranch, depending on what's included. And what I look for in a basic exotic hunt is what I'm looking for is is a fully guided hunt because i don't want to shoot the wrong thing because that could be expensive okay and i'm cheap <laughs> i'll be the first one to tell you that uh even though i spend a lot of money on equipment and hunting and fishing and those things that i do i like to save money as much as the next guy so the bottom line on all this is just asking good questions and making sure that the hunt's going to be guided or fully guided or at least you're going to know that that animal or those animals that herd of animals is going to come out during this time if i'm going to sit in the stand hunt them the way that I usually like to hunt exotics is spot and stalk, um, you know, ride around in a truck, spot the herd, get out on foot, do a stalk, and I highly recommend shooting sticks. If you don't have a pair, your guide should, uh, but I highly recommend a good pair. Primos makes a... Um, a tripod or a bipod or even a monopod trigger stick and that's probably one of the highest end ones on the market compared to some of the other ones but obviously all the companies that manufacture stuff are africa hunts you know shooting sticks are a big deal over there because that's safari style hunting is mainly all you do there which is kind of like spot and stock and um you know the basic uh, outline of that is that you want a steady rest and uh unless you're going to be shooting off of a truck which is legal you know for exotics uh or from a truck but i typically like to use uh, the hood of a truck or uh, or the tailgate of a truck or whatever to use as a steady rest but i typically like to hunt on the foot and be um be spotting them and stalking them and 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 sneaking up and taking a shot with a good steady monopod tripod or bipod now i'm not a fan i've said this about crossbows before if you listen to the show long 
I'm not a fan of tripods because I think they get in the way. They're the more sturdy of the rest, but a bipod's probably my favorite. It's the best compromise because a monopod can get kind of shaky sometimes depending on the make and model of it. Or a cross sticks, which basically fold up you know, together as two parallel sticks or adjacent sticks when you cross them and you can put your rifle in the middle of those and there you go. And then in, in Texas, our exotics are, are 100% able to uh, be hunted with air guns or be hunted with um, with the firearm or bow or crossbow or any of that stuff. So you, you're good to go there. Um, one of the other exotics that I really have a love and a respect for, especially the guys that I want to have, one of the guys um, that, that hunts these um, in West Texas on pretty soon, and I plan to have him on the show pretty soon, is Audad. Audad are Barbary sheep. They're also known as African sheep. Um, they have kind of a tan... Uh, look to them. We got kind of a mane uh, uh, that that's that's on their neck. It goes down to their uh, their front haunches, or uh, their front um, their front feet, and uh, they're just a beautiful animal. But man, they are a challenge to hunt. If you it depends on what range they come off of. It depends on how you're hunting them. If you're hunting them free range, you are in for a hunt of your life. And I've talked about that before when I've talked about exotics. Uh, it is a grind uh, a lot of times. It is a multi-day hunt. Most exotics that you can hunt in Texas, you can probably get done in a day in most cases. If you go on a two to three day hunt, like you will with King of Eights Outfitters, Blake Marshall, love that guy. Um, there's a, there's a consideration where you might want to stay a couple of days or DB hunting ranch as well. You can hunt there, uh, multiple days, but a lot of times most guides will try to get those hunts done in a day. If you do spot and stalk, especially during the middle of the day when they don't have hog hunters in the morning or the evenings. And that's the way things work at DB hunting ranch. But, um, the basics are getting out there, spot and stalk, make your shot, Get your deal closed, you know, take your meat home. And uh, and then obviously, I always make a big deal about this when I talk about tipping. Um, tip your guide at least 15 to 20%. Don't consider a guide any different than a chef, or I'm sorry, not a chef, a uh, um a uh, waiter at a restaurant, you know, or a waitress at a restaurant, they do the job to get through and knock out a good hunt for you and give you a good overall experience. If they've done their job, please remember to tip them. I talked about that on the show I did with Jeremy and Trevor on the Cast Bless Grill Chill Show. Um, you know, I, I really think that uh, there's so many hog hunters, especially, that get a bad reputation, and hog hunters as a whole in the industry have a bad reputation of not tipping at all because they're cheapskates. And I'm a cheapskate, but I always make sure whenever I go both with Marty McIntyre with GarQuest, or if I go hunting at DB Hunting Ranch, or if I go to um, to Circle F Adventures, or any other ranches that I work with, even the ones that I work with that I'm on staff with, I'll still tip the guide, especially if he put me on a great hunt. Um, there's a great recommendation there for you to, uh, because that takes care of them. A lot of times that's some of the only money that they receive aside from a percentage of the hunt. So, uh, or their hourly fee. So that's a, that's another consideration there, but, uh, you've got your axis phallocyca, black buck, uh, black buck, obviously grow horns instead of antlers. Uh, they're an Indian exotic like the axis is and a very small deer, but very beautiful mount, especially if you catch them in dominant phase, they turn black. That's one of the reasons is why I guess they're called black buck, but um, they're either brown or black, and they have kind of white around their eyes. I mean, they're a beautiful exotic if you want to look them up if you don't know what they are, uh, but they're a fantastic hunt too, especially for off-season time, and uh, they're a great harvest. Uh, their meat is delicious. It's like elk meat or axis meat. It's just fantastic meat. There's just not a lot of it because it's a smaller animal, so there's that. Um, the other thing I was going to mention is uh, rams in the off season, especially for kids, you know, I'm a big proponent of getting your kids outdoors and doing the thing with them. And I'm getting ready to get Jackson, my son out on his first hog hunt. We may even go this weekend before you receive this show, uh, the weekend before you get this podcast. Um, we're going to try to go and, uh, see if we can't close the deal on a hog with a crossbow. And that was how I'd prefer him to take his first animal, but he's ready. I mean, he, he's a really good shot with a crossbow and really does a good job with all that stuff. So, um, there's that. And, uh, the, the Rams, the, the, the several different types of Rams. You can even get the Texas Ram slam, which is, uh, something that was invented by Thompson temple at the uh, record book of exotics in the Thompson temple ranch years ago. And, uh, he's a good friend of Chester Moore editor in chief. And I've talked about him on the show before as well, but, uh, there's, there's several different types of varieties of Rams that, uh, that are kind of, I don't want to say native to Texas. They're really, none of them are native to Texas, but we've bred, Texans have bred these to be huntable species, and that's the Barbado, Corsican, 
um, black Hawaiian desert paint, and um, I'm missing one, I think, and uh, black Hawaiian, oh, Texas doll. So the, all five of those, and I don't understand all this stuff, so please don't quote me on this. All five of the, of the sheep species that, uh, that are in the sheep family is the Texas Ram Slam or the Texas Slam. And it's kind of like the turkey slam or the big five in Africa or whatever the case may be. You get one of each of those, you've made a slam. And uh, I consider sheep hunts to be one of the coolest you know, experiences for young hunters especially, for getting out in the outdoors and enjoying the exotics that God has to offer out there. And there's just so many different, I mean, there's so much to talk about here because there, I've seen a lot of hunts with, uh, with smaller caliber, larger caliber, air guns, crossbows, so on and so forth for sheep. And they're fairly easy to approach. Now an axis, a lot of times can be wild as a hare. And, um, you know, a lot of times elk, the, the, the red stag that I have up on my wall right now took me four tries to get, it took me four days to hunt that deer and get that stag down. And, um, it, it just depends, but typically sheep are a lot tamer. I'm not saying that they're, they'll walk up and get out of your hand tame, but they're, they're basically a little bit more approachable for young hunters to approach in the wide open and get a good solid shot. This is, again, why I recommend a tripod or a monopod for getting your deer and, um, and uh, your, your exotic deer, your, your uh, rams or, or your sheep or whatever the case may be, uh, your elk, your, any of those things, buffalo even, and I'll get to that in just a minute. But um, fantastic idea to, uh, to to just have a good steady rest going out there in the field, spotting and stalking, or sitting in a stand and having a good rest in a tripod or a hunting blind or whatever the case may be. Um, you want to make sure that you have a good steady rest. So make sure if you do not own one of these products. I have a Stony Point Monopod, which is made by Bushnell, the same company that owns Bushnell. Uh, I've got a um, Bog, B-O-G uh, pod, uh, which is a bipod. And both of those are fantastic. Uh, th that's made by the same company that makes the, um, uh, the Bubba Blade and BTI Tool Company uh, and uh, Caldwell Lead Sled and all those other ones uh, that's owned by the same company that owns all of those. So um, the, the Bog Pod is one of my favorite bipods that I own as far as a... Um, uh, a separate bipod, an independent bipod that you use. Now, you obviously can get bipods on your guns. Uh, a good example of that would be Swagger bipods. They make a, a, a deployable tri uh, bipod that goes on your gun, that mounts on your actual rifle on the bottom, and they pull out. You can go all kinds of different directions uh, with your with your um, with your rifle after it's deployed, and after you can even shoot on uneven surfaces. It's a rather expensive uh, item, but it's a very 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 good option, especially for hunting on the on the foot with. Uh, with uh, exotics and hogs and those kind of things that you're spotting and stocking. So other thing I wanted to mention, obviously the ram slam, we talked about sheep, we talked about deer, uh, we talked about elk and, and stag. Um, but you know, when you're getting out there and approaching these, uh, these exotics, the other thing to consider is that save enough money back for a good mount, a uh, good shoulder mount, especially if you like uh, European mounts, that's another idea that's cheaper than going with a shoulder mount. But especially if it's a kid's first sheep, a first, first deer, you know, first ram, first buck, whatever the case may be, and it's an exotic, I mean, definitely save up some money and bring them to a taxidermist. Uh, DB Hunting Ranch has a taxidermy studio called DB Wild Game Processing and Taxidermy uh, that's in Bertram, right down the road from the ranch, and they do fantastic taxidermy work there. Uh, also, uh, Animal Art Taxidermy in Austin, I, I've done some work for them. There's just a wide variety of different taxidermists in your area, obviously, that you can take the take the exotics to to get uh, taxidermy work done. But uh, I wanted to say this: for a kid's first exotic, a ram is a beautiful mount, and uh, they're they're also obviously the other species of rams we talked about: Barbary sheep, um, which would be like the the Audad. Um, we've talked, about, we didn't talk about merino ram. Uh, that's the Rambo rams. Uh, they're kind of woolly sheep, as my friend Danny always says. They're the sheep that you count while you're trying to go to sleep that jump across in your mind. Uh, they're woolly, woolly rams. So they don't make the best shoulder mounts, but they have fantastic horns. Chester loves merino rams. I'm just not a big fan because they kind of look ugly to me. But uh, they make massive horns, great European mount material, or you can take and have a beautiful shoulder mount made of that ram. And um, it's just a fantastic idea to uh, – 
to get uh, to get a, a shoulder mount for a kid on his first uh, first ram. And you know those typically run. You know a, a whitetail mount will typically run you about five hundred five and a quarter. Uh, ram's not going to be that much more expensive or that much less expensive, but it's going to be in that same general range. So you want to make sure you budget for your hunt, for your taxidermy, and then sheep meat is actually pretty good. In fact, all these exotics I eat. Uh, goat is another one, uh, Catalina billy goats, which are pretty much Spanish goats that have been bred for hunting, uh, especially for their horn size. That's another fantastic exotic. I've got one of those on my wall. I'm looking at behind me right now. He's glaring at me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, shoulder mount. And, um, uh, he's a beautiful, I think he scored silver and he's a white billy goat and uh, Spanish goat, uh, Catalina uh, goat, billy goat, and uh, fantastic hunt. That was my first exotic I killed back in 2009 when my son was born. Uh, I remember that hunt very well still. He was a very hard animal. In fact, all the exotics hanging in my office right now were hard hunts, every single one of them. So just because they're behind a high fence doesn't mean it's an easy canned hunt, as you want to call it, um, as you might want to call it. But I, uh, I, I just think they're a great challenge for the offseason. They're fantastic meat. But a lot of people ask me, the meat of a, of a Barbary sheep, an Audad, a, a, you know, a Texas doll, which is I've got a Texas doll mount and a Corsican mount in my office here that I'm recording this podcast with. And uh, the Texas doll's got a beautiful mane, so does the Corsican. And um, they're just fantastic, uh, fantastic uh, sheep to, to, to shoot and to mount and to eat. And one of the things that I am big about when it comes to doing, you know, I had one guy come in the other day uh, that I heard about that wanted to get his whole ram made into jerky. I'm not a big fan of ram jerky. I've tried to make it before, and it's it, it has that mutton taste to it. The best thing you can do with a sheep or a goat is grind it into sausage, make breakfast sausage, make link sausage, make, um, you know, uh, armadillo eggs. You can call them gator eggs or whatever the case may be, which is breakfast sausage stuffed with sausage. Stuff with our jalapeno breakfast sausage stuffed with cheese wrapped in bacon. That's one thing a lot of companies that, that do uh, processing call gator eggs or uh, armadillo eggs or rattlesnake eggs, and they're fantastic uh, to eat that way. But breakfast sausage, link sausage, some kind of sausage that's ground with pork will usually take the, the goat taste or the sheep taste away from that meat. Uh, obviously, with axis and the other deer species, black buck, elk, um, red stag, that meat's going to be fine as it is no matter what you get ground into, get it ground into or get it... Um, get a eat of the steaks but i'm not a big fan of mutton steaks so i'll say that much because i've tried to eat uh sheep whole like that with whole muscle and it was not good so um but really i recommend obviously saving the sheep there's so many hunters that don't save their meat from their sheep and i really think they're letting a lot go to waste because it's, it really doesn't taste after it's processed it doesn't taste any different than deer meat it has a little bit of a different taste to it but it's not really noticeable so that's a definitely a good point there too uh then we get into bigger exotics and that's water buffalo Asiatic water buffalo, which are very popular in Texas. They're kind of the cousin of Cape buffalo. Um, they're not really cousins, I don't think. They're both black, and there's some that you can get white and so on and so forth. There's some buffalo, uh, American bison, that you can get that are, you can get white buffalo. In fact, we just did a taxidermy mount, a uh, shoulder mount on a white buffalo that was taken on our ranch for about $6,000. Not the mount, but the, the animal was a $6,000 hunt because they're so rare. Um, they're just a fantastic uh, meat yield as well. Buffalo, bison especially, are uh, just a fantastic hunt. They're, uh, they're, they're kind of a wary species. It depends on what ranch they come off of again. But if you're hunting them in a high fence, and most of the buffalo hunts happen in a high fence, um, you know, they're, uh, are, are behind a low fence, even with a ranch, they don't jump fences, but, uh, they, uh, they can still be a consideration to make there. Um, but they're just, they're a fantastic animal to hunt. Obviously, a uh, 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 you know, great animal of the native Americans back in the day, uh, spirit animal to some, but uh, fantastic meat wheel. They make a fantastic trophy, uh, Euro mount or a, um, or a shoulder mount, depending on what you want to spend on uh, on your exotic there. But they're considered an exotic. Once a native game species here in Texas, and there's a long story that goes along with that, but they're considered an exotic, even though they were once a native species here in our state. So that's a good consideration to make too. And then a uh, water buffalo, um, I've been thinking about the last couple of years going to shoot one with for with a friend of mine and splitting the meat because it makes a lot of meat. You talk about having your freezer full. 
Um, you know, we're talking an animal that is several hundred pounds in a lot of cases up to, you know, down to the younger one, that's maybe a few hundred pounds. Um, you know, the case may be the case you want to make with any water Buffalo or bison is how old it is because the older bulls and the older cows, especially five and six year old is considered getting up there in age is going to only really be good for hamburger meat. The meat's not going to be gamey. It's just going to be tough and chewy. And so you want to make sure, cause I'm a big meat, meat eater when it comes to all these animals that I hunt, uh, especially the, the goats and the sheep and stuff like that. Like I say, you can do sausage into, um, you know, a big Buffalo or bison, water Buffalo or bison, uh, fantastic meat yield. But the older you go, the more you got to consider about 500 pounds of hamburger meat coming home with, or, uh, you know, uh, you know, not necessarily getting all the steaks made and that kind of stuff. So shooting a younger version of those animals or a younger, um, species, a younger part of that species might be a better idea if you you want steaks and roasts and all those kind of things made but if you're looking to just hunt straight up um you know for trophy or whatever you're going to want to obviously an older animal um but uh, the fantastic meat yield on both of those another one that we have recently hunted at the ranches that i work with uh, one particular ranch i work with is uh the they kind of look like an ox they're kind of halfway between an ox and a and a um I guess uh, a cow, if you will, like a Brahmin steer, uh, is a uh, Watutsi. And uh, Watutsi is an African cattle species, but they have these beautiful, gigantic horns. They just, the one processor I went and saw the other day had the meat uh, out, you know, after they had hunted one and uh, the meat was processed and everything was in quarters. And I was like, there's not just a ton of meat on those because they're a fairly lean animal like a cow is. Um, but the meat yields pretty good and it's, it's pretty tasty too. It's just not as much as a, as a water Buffalo or a bison. And those are all big considerations. So, um, and then obviously all your African game, your Oryx, uh, your Gimsbach, um, your uh, Attics, uh, your Dama Gazelle. I've talked about on other shows that I've guest hosted on um, that for a while the Oryx, the Dama Gazelle, and the Attics were all on the endangered species list. I believe I got those three right. Don't quote me on that, but this is a couple, three years ago maybe. They were on the exotic, uh, you know, endangered game list. You could not hunt them, kind of like the Barasinga, which is a Indian deer as well. Um, uh, is like the Axis and the uh, the Black Buck, but the Barasinga still cannot be hunted, but by permit in Texas, and um, yeah, they're just fantastic animals to look at. But the Oryx and the Dama Gazelle and the Attics all made it off that list because of guys like Ted Nugent, who I'm a big supporter of when it comes to this kind of stuff, when it comes to um, to exotics and hunting, because he was really making the point to the state legislation, who who basically legislated the the uh, not the ban, but the limitations on their hunting um he basically came out and said hey guys there's more of them here than they are there and there are more of them in texas because of hunting and i made this point on other shows that i've been on and i made this point on this show too i'm pretty sure they're here and they have value much like the animals in africa because and i made this point with tim jackson on this show and then i made the point with blake marshall on the show too much like in africa because there's a value on their lives as hunted as, as being hunted animals as being harvestable animals for their meat for their trophy quality for so on and so forth that is the reason why they have so many good numbers here in texas is because of hunting there's a desire to keep those in the breeding uh facilities there's a desire to keep those in the i'm sorry just bumped the microphone again i'm getting excited here there's an anxiety there's a desire to keep them in the um in the herd you know and, and keep them on ranches for hunting and so on and so forth for all those species and that's one reason why we have such, such a prolific hunting you know um uh culture in our in our state but the one thing a lot of people forget about and take for granted about our state is that there's 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 all these exotics here you know uh the african game just goes on and on i mean you can hunt a kudu here if you have about ten thousand dollars um you know you don't have to go to africa when you can come here and hunt and keep the meat and that's a really big deal for me so i wanted to definitely make that point uh with all this stuff so um you know just get out there and have fun guys that's what i always say on this show i just want you guys to just enjoy the best of the outdoors that's the reason why i call this podcast what i do i love sharing this with you because my knowledge over the years of 12 years now it'll be 12 years of summer i've worked in the exotic sale and the um and the hunting ranch businesses that I work in. And um, I love it, man. I just love seeing kids get their first memories with their parents, uh, with their dads and their moms, 
with their hunting experiences. I love seeing uh, just just uh, new hunters that maybe women or whatever the case may be uh, come into the outdoors and really enjoy you know everything there is that thrill of the hunt of taking their first game animal or uh, you know hunting's really where my heart is. Obviously, I love to fish and I talk about that a lot on the show too. But um, there's just so much out there to see. There's just so much out there to consume. There's so much out there to enjoy. And I want that for you. I want you, the listener, to appreciate that about what we're doing uh, in the outdoors and just go out there and get you some, as Chris Carey says from Bill Carey Striper Express Guide Service. Go get you some. So uh, anyway, have fun with that. I may have missed a couple of things on this show, but I pretty much covered most of the main Texas exotics that we hunt. Um, I I talked on one of the shows that I talked about, the last show I did on exotics, I talked about some of the pricing that you can be looking for. If you have any questions about what a fair price is for what you're looking to hunt, uh, let me get some water here real quick. Um, You know, call me or email me. My phone number is all over the place, and so is my email address, and my website is dustinsprojects.com. If you're looking to book a hunt and need to have a question about that kind of stuff, be sure to reach out to me and just kind of see what... um, what what's available out there as far as if you're looking for something i can help you probably find it but if you live in an area such as east texas or north texas or west texas or south texas that you're close to a ranch i suggest you go there first i'm not going to suggest you go to the ranches that i work for because uh, that would be kind of selfish of me so um you know but the more that i do this show i realize that this is all important and it's all based around the outdoor lifestyle. And that is just like the Cast Glass Grill Chill guys. I know I mentioned them a few times in the show, giving them a shout out. Um, you know, it's it's about that grilling and chilling. It's about enjoying the outdoor lifestyle and really uh, bringing it home to that. So that's very important. Um, I'm pulling up real quick the uh, article that I wrote. I'll put a link in the show notes to the top 10 things to look for in your next guide and outfitter. Um it's a good article. I think I'm a little biased because I wrote the article, but uh, I found it just now doing a quick search on fishgame.com. But some of the questions to ask, I'm just going to close with this. Is your guide or outfitter an expert at what they do? That's widely important for, and I know I've done a podcast on this, but I just want to review this real quick. Make sure who you're working with has experience in the industry, has experience on the ranch that they're hunting, because a lot of outfitters, in Texas especially, don't necessarily hunt the same ranches over and over again. Ask those good questions. Uh, is the guide outfitter is the guide or outfitter understanding of my needs or desires? Do they understand what you want to do? What kind of animal you want to take? The caliber of animal you want to take? The weapon you want to use? I mean, you want to make sure you communicate all that well in advance of your uh, of your of your hunt. So make sure you do that very well. Does the guide of, or outfitter have the heart of a teacher or a heart of a salesman? This is why I brought up this article. There's a lot of people out there in the world that will want to take your money and run. And uh, I'm not saying that happens a lot in Texas. Most of the ranches, people have weeded out. But a lot of times, bad news travels slow. And, uh, and good news travels slow sometimes too, but bad news is supposed to travel fast because that's the way we weed out the people that are not wholesome in this industry. But it's easy to ask if they're asking to get more money from you or trying to extract more money from you during your hunting experiences, they have a heart of a salesman. If they're there to teach you, if they're there to make sure you have a good experience, if they're there to entertain you and inspire you, um, they have the heart of a teacher. And, um, I was just on a podcast that I recorded this morning with fish on Ted, and you'll be able to see that podcast on my website at dustinsprojects.com as soon as it goes live. But he basically has a podcast. His fish on Ted podcast is strictly for outfitters and guides in the industry that are actively doing outfitting and guiding all over the world. And he lives in the Philippines. And, um, one of the things that I said that I brought home on his show was this article that I talked about, but also I said, do not forget to educate, inspire, and entertain your clients because they'll come back to you again. And that's what I'm telling you to look for that in your guide or outfitter, whoever you choose to do your exotic hunt with. And uh, that's, that's very important. Um, does your guide or outfitter have insurance or other protection if the unexpected happens in Texas? You're not going in too many crazy places unless you're going free range in West Texas, uh, to hunt, uh, Audad or, um, access light, you know, access and in, in herds in West Texas and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, just make sure you ask the questions. You have to be licensed and so on and so forth in a lot of ways, uh, and make sure you have permission in those areas uh, or private ranches. It's no big deal, but that's just something to consider. Uh, what does an outing require of you? Make sure you ask this question. 
question. You want to make sure that your physical ability is enough to handle that hunt. A recent turkey hunt I was on, I talked about in the NRA episodes that I did, um, you know, eight miles uh, in, in about two or three days of hunting for my turkey hunt, uh, going after my uh, Rio Grande turkey. And I, I, I hadn't hiked that while I'll be honest with you in a while because I typically do a lot of stand hunting uh, for exotics and that kind of stuff because I know what I'm looking for but when you're doing these spot and stalk hunts there's a lot of walking involved a lot of times you want to make sure that you make sure that you uh, get a hold of your outfit or a guide and make sure that you find out exactly how much of physical activity is required of you and you're able to pull that off so that's important what kind of gear or equipment do you need for the guide or outfitter uh, or will they supply it uh, bow fishing is a good example of that. I talk about this all the time with Marty. He supplies all your bows with GarQuest and, um, he has a great, fantastic opportunity. He's been booked like seven days a week here lately. I'm really happy for him. But, uh, when you're bringing your own gun, when you're bringing your own bow, when you're bringing your own crossbow, when you're bringing your own air gun, your firearm, whatever the case may be, make sure it's sighted in at the range first. Don't just chance that it's on, uh, before a week before, at least before that hunt, you know, go, go out there to the range. Uh, go out to your backyard or wherever you shoot and make sure your your weapon is on and well, your weapon is, is ready to go. I can't tell you how many hunts that I've heard of and I've been a part of that people have ruined and people that I've guided that have, have, have ruined their hunts because they didn't have the right equipment or their equipment wasn't sighted in properly or didn't have the right ammunition for their equipment and so on and so forth. That brings me to another question I wasn't going to cover on the show, but I'm going to. So here's my rant. Hunt with the ammunition you're going to shoot, especially when it comes to air gun ammunition, pellets or, or, or uh, slugs or, uh, you know, loaded rifle ammunition. I've got a, a pet load that works in my um, 308, but if all else fails, I use Federal Fusion, you know, in the 308, which is a, a bonded, you know, uh, high, high end premium bullet. Um, I know where it's going to hit at a hundred yards. Uh, I know where, uh, my 270, you know, where that's going to hit at a hundred yards with lo- the pet load that I have at 150 grains. If I switch to 130 grains, it's time to go back to the range. If I switch ammunition manufacturers or don't have any more hand loads or don't have access to my hand loads and get in a hurry and go buy a different brand of ammunition, it deserves a trip to the range. It really does. That's widely important guys, because the thing that so many people forget is that different ammunition is going to perform in different guns differently. And that's just inherent of the intricacies of each different gun, but it's also inherently, you know, the different ammo that it shoots. You can't just take one for granted that it's going to be the same, uh, the same point of impact all the time. So you want to make sure you test out your gear before you get there, uh, on your hunt. Um, what kind of overall reputation does your guide or outfitter have? The internet's a great search tool. You want to make sure you go out there and you research very well and make sure that you are doing your homework. Uh, Facebook's a good way to find out stuff. Ask some questions in some groups. Uh, I do that a lot of times when I'm trying to find an outfitter to go with or, or, or some kind of hunt that I want to take and some recommendations. And good Lord, there's a bunch of people in groups that will recommend people for you. A bunch of people. Some of them have buddies that are, that are guides or outfitters. Some of the do it because of past experiences of God's outfitters they've been to and so on and so forth. So, um, be sure to ask good questions and, uh, do your research. There's no excuse for that for the internet right now. So, uh, that's a good consideration. What kind of licenses were you, will you or the guide need? That's pretty self-explanatory in Texas. You just need a, a hunting license is an overnight stay required. And will the arrangements have, my, they have meet my needs. Uh, one of the places I work for does not have, uh, they have running water, but they don't have a restroom. Um, they just have a porta potty. That's fine for most of us guys, but the ladies sometimes don't like that. And sometimes have issues with that, but, um, you know, it just depends on where you go. Um, you know, I've stayed in really nice accommodations. I've stayed in really crummy accommodations. I don't really care. I mean, I, I like a nice dry place to sleep, but other than that, I I'm kind of cool with whatever, you know, I'm pretty easy to please about that. It doesn't mean I have low standards. That just means that I'm pretty cool with whatever that, that, that happens, uh, that way. So, uh, and then the most important question, or not the most important question, but an important question to ask is what is the total cost for your adventure? You want to figure in, you know, if you deal with, with, companies like db hunting ranch that have their own processing and taxidermy tied to their business if you deal with circle f adventures he has uh santa Ana custom processing and taxidermy that, that's tied to his business not really tied but they're friends um and they they kind of co-op with each other you want to see what your total cost for your hunt's going to be so you want to make sure you take in your lodging your food 
those kind of things. I typically tell most people to supply your own food. Getting food at a ranch is probably about $100, but that's going to be up to you and your prerogative what you want to do. But that all being said, um, you know, what, what you want to do is make sure you know what you're paying for your lodging, you know what you're paying for your hunt, you know if there are any guide fees, trophy fees, or kill fees. This is important, and I'm leaving this to the end because I hope everybody's listening still because um, this is important. Ask those questions in advance. There are a lot of ranches that have a basic hunt fee, but then put a kill fee or a trophy fee on top of the price. And it ticks me off. I've got another word for it, but it ticks me off because I don't think that's fair. You want to make sure you understand your kill fees, your trophy fees, your guide fees, all that stuff well in advance before your hunt. There are no gotchas. There's no, I forgot to tell you this, gotcha. There's an extra cost. There's an extra fee. There's an extra, there's some ranches that have more fees than a French poodle. Fee, 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 get it? Um, but anyway, you know, it, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And there's one particular ranch I talked about in another podcast I was on that, uh, you know, they have hog hunts and they won't let you butcher your hog when you're done with your hog hunt after you have your hog down they make you pay a dollar to two dollars a pound i don't know exactly what it is because i haven't dealt with this ranch much before but a dollar to two dollars a pound on a 150 pound hog and that's green weight with the guts in i'm pretty sure and uh that's not fair i don't agree with that and i i despise guides and outfitters that do that kind of stuff to people because it just does not seem fair to me at all to take people's money like that and uh and then take advantage of the next guy that comes and the next guy that comes because the bad news doesn't travel fast enough so the best place to do this guys ask questions get some reviews Go check out the, the you know their social media pages. Go check out their the the hunting forums. You know one of the places I advertise a lot is Texas Hunting Forum, uh, Texas Fishing Forum for fishing guides. I mean obviously there's a lot of different you know connections you can make with people and questions you can ask on there. But you're gonna get all kinds of different answers. I'm not saying if you get one answer you should not go because everybody's gonna have bad experiences at some ranches because they show up with a bad attitude or a string of circumstances happen or whatever the case may be. Um, but the the bottom line there is make sure you know what you're paying for and make sure you figure in a tip that's that's my way i want to close this out today is um is just have those kind of things in the back of your mind uh when you're asking these questions when you're booking your hunts so anyway lots of exotics and, and hogs and all kinds of game to hunt in texas obviously small game squirrels rabbits predators i mean there's tons of hunting opportunities in the off season uh those are just my basic tips for how to look for texas big game exotics especially your sheep your goats your deer your antelope your your different uh you know buffalo uh your different species of exotics like that in texas uh for meat yield for trophy quality for whatever you're looking for have all that in mind when you're looking for your next adventure and thank you so much again for joining our show. You guys are awesome. I love each and every one of you guys that are listening. All right. Before I forget to tell you, uh, please subscribe. I say this on every podcast just about. Please subscribe to our newsletter. It does not cost you anything. You get three newsletters a week, Tactical Tuesday, Wildlife Wednesday, and Thursday, Texas State of the Outdoor Nation, as well as our friends with the podcast listeners. I wanted to thank you guys again. So please subscribe to the show. Tell a friend about the show. Um, does not cost you anything to download this. You get a new show here lately, every one to two weeks, depending on my schedule or depending on our sponsorship schedule. Um, I'll have a new show to you every one to two weeks and it's, it should be going back to the two week schedule now that I'm back on schedule since the NRA show. So, uh, I try to do these as often as I can. I try to have a guest for you, but today, like I say, I couldn't make that happen and I had to get the show out. So I wanted to at least get you guys a good podcast and I hope you guys enjoyed the show today because it means my world. It, it is my oxygen to hear your comments like i said at the beginning of the show please please email me please message me on on the uh, texas fishing game facebook page or message me on the um dustin's projects website uh dustinsprojects.com or on uh facebook my last name is spelled w-a-r-n-c-k-e dustin von warnke and you can find me on facebook you can find me on instagram find me on twitter find me on i'm not really on pinterest that often i think i've got a pinterest account and then um you know, everywhere else like that. I'm all over the place. LinkedIn, of course, too. So I know not many of you guys, although know some of you guys are on LinkedIn, but not a lot of you guys listen to the podcast on LinkedIn. So anyway, thank you guys so much again for watching, reading, and listening. Have an awesome day in the outdoors. We'll see you next time. <laughs>